When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Guitar Nerds is sponsored by Music Nomad, our favorite guitar maintenance tool manufacturing masters. You should check them out on musicnomadcare.com or on social media with at musicnomadcare. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Podcast, the world's number one guitar podcast. I am your host, Joe Branton, joined this week by Naomi McLeod. Hello. And Blake Wyland. Hi there. That's right, that's right, dear listener. We've been joined by the one and only Blake Wyland from Chasing Tone and the Tone Mob Podcast. It's lovely to have you back. We were saying just before, uh, but just before we started, this is like what did we say? This is the fifth, the fifth time you've been on Guitar Nerds. I think it. I think it's. I think it's either the third or the fourth. I can't oh, remember. Right. I feel yeah, like it's the third. fourth. That okay, sounds right. Yes. Yeah, that that makes sense across a decade. Which that's not that's not enough. I mean, there is eight hours difference between us, but yeah, I feel like I've let you down. Well, um, you know, we you you've been on. Uh, I think twice, and then the rest of the nerds have been on. I'm gonna have to have Naomi on. That's never happened. So oh, who's really good. letting who down Ooh. around here? You know, yeah, that's yes, that's good. That's uh, thank you. You've made me feel better. It's actually you that's that's let me down. So that's that's good. I can, uh, <laughs> yes, that's correct. Yes, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can, didn't I realize can... this was the gaslighting episode. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> off, off to a good start. There we go. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> well, we, I mean, we obviously we have uh, a whole a whole bunch of stuff to talk about. I don't think I've ever put so many notes in the uh, podcast discussion uh, document which so we inevitably i'm sure we'll talk about two or three of them and then our time will be up dear listener but we are going to try and get through as much as possible before we do um i i, I have to be uh, a little bit serious um and and to talk about the the you know the the awful in, invasion by uh, russia into ukraine that's happening at the moment and the you know the the tragedy of that entire situation guitar nerds are going to be you know we, we we donate money every every quarter to a new charity so we're just going to bump that up and and donate a percentage of um guitar nerds revenue this month to um you to some charities that are that are helping people on the ground in ukraine but i just wanted to kind of talk about ways that you can help if you want to 
globalcitizen.org have written a fantastic article on nine meaningful ways that you can help Ukraine because it is a minefield out there of, of charities um, that you know that that you can uh, donate money to it's hard to know what, what's going to have the, the the best impact and the best effect when, when it when it's needed so immediately and so real time so it's great that global citizen have put this article together that article is linked in the uh, in the description of this podcast but as I say if you just want to Google it, then it's Global Citizen, and the article is Nine Meaningful Ways That You Can Help Ukraine. Um, and they, you know, they, they've there are a, a lot of charities on there that are that are global. So if you're in the states, then uh, International Medical Corps is a is a great way of doing it. The Ukrainian Red Cross, which is being forwarded on all the Red Cross websites, you know, no matter which country you're in, people in need, um, and Nova Ukraine. Uh, as well, but I won't. I won't list them all. It's all in the article. Please donate if you can, and you know, and and help the Ukrainian people in uh, in this this awful um, time. Anyway, serious stuff out the way. I've done my done my serious bit. We've got Blake on the podcast. Obviously, we've got Blake on the podcast because we want to talk about the fact that he has united the two things most important to him in the world: guitars and pizza. Um, mm. which is how many pedals have you released now? This is another Tomob pedal. Yeah. Because there's the fuzz. The fuzz came in various iterations, various finishes. What is this, like the third pedal you've done? There, No, there's actually been quite a few more. This is, this is the only one since the Model 1 that has right. been so heavily branded uh, as a Tomob product. The rest were more branded as the company I was working with products and they would generally come in like a, a cool tone mob wooden box and I would help push them. I helped with the creation of those things, but this is the first one that has actually had, you know, my brand and now my face, uh, you know, <laughs> on the thing. So it's, it's a little bit, it feels a little more official, but I've done a probably, let's see, we did the original Model 1 in several iterations. I did three versions of the Demogorgon with Adventure Audio, who sadly is no longer around. Um, so that pedals, ex those those pedals are exceedingly uncommon. Um, and I did a collaboration with Spruce Effects called the Tremolo, which was a tremolo and fuzz. I did a, uh, this was years ago, a, a as close as possible uh, recreation of my uh, EHX Big Muff with Tomcat pedals using new old stock components and everything. I've done a silver Pelotar and now the Pizza Fuzz. I don't think I'm leaving it. Oh, no, the Typhons V1 and V2 with Fuzz Rocious. Those were phenomenal. Uh, and now the pizza fuzz. Yes, I believe I've caught everything up to date now. But they've all wow. been they've all been dirty and fuzzy. And now this is you know <laughs> we're continuing that trend. Yeah, uh, yes, you're very much continuing that trend. Now I I am sure you know that that everyone listening to pretty much everyone listening to this podcast is well aware of this big ear tone mob collaboration. Uh, uh, pizza fuzz, but for you know, if there's anyone out there who's not aware, can you please describe this insanely unique pedal? <laughs> yeah, so basically, it is a fuzz pedal that is in a slice of pizza. It is it's it's a photorealistic printed 
a piece of pizza. The enclosure was custom made to be triangle shaped and uh, it's printed on three sides and it is actually a real piece of pizza from a place called NY Pie in Nashville that was specifically chosen by Grant and Karen from Big Ear because they had well, first of all, they love the pizza, but they sampled pizzas from all around the city, and this they also found that this was the most photogenic. So, <laughs> she, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they awesome. They took a picture of the pizza, and then it, it for some reason this really makes me happy. There's a picture of Karen eating the slice that became the slice of pie. So, like, it's like the most famous uh, lunch in the world. It's so, so satisfying to me. But yeah, it was a, it was a big process. And the, both of them are so detail oriented that like no stone was left unturned. We even went as far as to try to figure out how to make it smell like pizza when you open the box. Um, Whoa. We didn't get, we didn't achieve that, but we did try. There right, were right. several things tried, and uh, they all smelled horrible. So we were like, "We'll just not have it. We'll just not have it do that." You know, it's just not worth it sometimes. But there everything was a, else was pretty much analyzed. There was a there was a company that did a cinnamon drive, and I can't remember what they're called. It began with A. Oh damn! It, but they, they they their pedals certainly came in a in a little uh, a little velvet slip that smelt of cinnamon. I was very very mm. much into that. That was a that was a oh. good move. I Certainly, like you've you've gone to town though. Even if you didn't get the smell, the the everything else about its packaging, you've really followed through on the slice of pizza as well. Yeah, everything was very much inspired by old New York style pizzerias. Grant and Karen lived in New York City for a long time. I've been there several times myself, and so we wanted it to feel like it's why it's why it's slice of pie. It's supposed to be very New York, you know, very. You know, some people came after us because we're like, that's not, that's not right. Uh, our pizza in Italy doesn't look like that. And we're like, no, this is New York that we're talking about here. That's what we're shooting for. That whole vibe is, is New York City. And uh, in fact, Big Ear Pedals used to be called Big Ear NYC before they moved. Oh, it, right. It, okay. Yeah. New, New York is very much a part of the, the Big Ear DNA. So they wanted to keep that and, you know, we just tried to think of everything. I mean, the hours on the phone that I spent with Grant, like going over every detail, uh, you know, it was, it's, I, I did a, we did an entire podcast about how much time and, and thought went into this thing. I know it seems like, oh, how silly, which it is silly, but it also is like a true labor of love. Cause we all, all three of us really, truly do love pizza this much. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so it, we wanted to get it right. And I, I think we did, you know, it, it turned out to be worth it. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the stuff that this, the, the, the slice of pie comes with includes, you get a napkin, right? Right. You get one of the nice napkins, you know, it's definitely a disposable <laughs> napkin, but it is a very heavy grade disposable nice, napkin. Nice, that's what yes. you want. And you get you get stickers, standard that's great. You yep. get a pizza pin, right? Yep. You get the bigger bigger plectrums to be expected. Mm-hmm. Um and then you get temporary tattoos. Yes. That and is correct. two packs of crushed red pepper. Yes, just in case. If that's your flavor, you get two packs of crushed red pepper, just right. in case. Right. And they are real crushed red pepper packs. You could open those up and 
put those on your pizza if you wanted to and eat Amazing. It. Amazing. I'm in love with everything about it's, this paddle. The attention to detail is just brilliant. It's insane. Yeah. Like a, even the the manual looks like a like a proper New York pizza menu as well, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Yep. It it's it just everything we could think of. I mean, and there are things that we thought about including, like the smell that just didn't end up working out. We thought about including, you know, the little miniature table looking things that keep the box from falling on the pizza but it just didn't it just didn't quite we already had the box finished and it just didn't quite fit and it was like ah i guess we'll have to give that one up but in that process is where we came up with the napkin like well we could do the napkin and that'll actually help protect it in shipping on top of being kind of fun and cool one thing we didn't expect and we totally should have seen it coming is when people did the unboxing videos for youtube People saw that it was a napkin, and then people were like, "Ah, oh, I know what to do with this," and they would tuck it into their shirt, like they were about to feed. But yet they didn't know yet. They didn't know like what was under the napkin. They knew it was pizza themed, of course, at that point, but they didn't know that it was literally a slice of pie. So, hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's uh, it's such a, a great idea because you actually you've managed to make something that's totally unique and weird without it being at the sacrifice of pedalboard real estate. Like it's uh, it's it's the same. You know, you're not taking up any extra room. That was a huge consideration because, and even after it came out, people said, "How in the world is this going to work on a board?" And we're like, "Well, does a top mount uh, 125B enclosure work on your board? Because it's the same size, you know." Yeah. And that was very much patterned on what is typically considered to be this quote-unquote standard pedal size. And this is the first bigger pedal that has top mount jacks. Jack uh, um, Grant has a personal vendetta against top mount jacks, but he's given that up uh, <laughs> in, the, in the quest for making this as functional as it could be. And, and I think he is – he's admitting that he's lost the battle, and I think he will be converting his other stuff to it soon. But there you go. Um, he uh, – this is the first bigger pedal to properly feature top mountain jacks. And a lot of pedal builders couldn't believe it because Grant's been very vocal about that over the years. So. What, what, uh, what doesn't he like about top, top mount uh, jacks? 
Not that I don't I especially, want to... I don't especially care either way, but the, 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 it seems very clear and obvious the advantage of a, of a top mount. I, I don't personally care that much either. That's never been something that I bother with. He's explained this to me before, and I can't remember all of the whys. I think in his mind, and I, and I don't think he's entirely wrong about this, depending on what cables you use, especially if you use the 90-degree power connectors, it actually becomes kind of more of a pain. Um, if you aren't using just the right cables, top mount tends to not actually offer as many advantages as it may seem and can have a few disadvantages. And that's why I don't personally care. I'm just like, whatever, it's going to, it's going to be fun. Uh, but for this, it was totally necessary. There's no way we were going to put side jacks on this and have them be at a weird angle. You know, that yeah. just, that wasn't going to work. Uh, so yeah, it's got top mount jacks. It's the same width as a 125B normal pedal enclosure that we've come to know and love and it'll totally fit anywhere and maybe maybe in some places where one of those wouldn't fit actually well yeah i mean yeah you could, a good point yeah you, you could get three of these and have them you know the the in the negative space mm-hmm. absolutely that, like that, like top to top yeah, to tail exactly exactly nice. yeah, yeah. Different different settings each. Yeah, exactly. It's um yeah, it's it's just a really amazing overall presentation. I know it's always the gear itself that matters. Um but I find things like packaging and and sort of how a piece of gear is merchandised to be super important as well. It's a um, lovely collector's item. Yeah, absolutely. Um but tone tonally so let's talk about the actual pedal rather yeah. than the presentation let's uh did you spend as much time uh on the on the sound of the pedal as you have on its presentation definitely i mean that was like the main thing it it's one thing to get people's attention and get them to want the thing but at the end of the day if they get it and it sounds stupid then it's kind of a letdown for everybody so mm-hmm. we spent a ton of time voicing the circuit and if you look at the whole thing we don't like to say it outright because i think it's more fun when people realize on their own but it is very obvious what the roots of it are you know it's called slice of pie and it's in a triangle shaped enclosure so you can infer where the uh the roots may be from that some people have heard that and they're like oh man this is so there are so many layers to this silly project (laughs) (laughs) so like that like that shower thoughts uh subreddit yes exactly exactly but um we worked with zach broyles from mythos pedals who everything that guy touches just sounds incredible he's he's got such good ears i've played almost almost all of his pedals i think at this point um and they're just they're just fantastic. And he's such a good dude. But he once he got the foundation of the circuit laid out and working and to a point where Big Ear couldn't mess with, could mess with it. Uh, they spent a ton of time on their own going back and forth tuning the thing. Uh, I don't even know how many weeks they spent doing that. They're just going back and forth, replacing different components, and coming back with fresh ears and. Grant knew from the beginning, I was like, I, I want it to have more mids and interact with the guitar's volume control in a more meaningful way than something of this type of circuit normally would. And, uh, you know, so we had a clear goal going into it. You know, I want it to, I very explicitly said, I need this to work on baritone guitar exceedingly well. And we went from there. And by the time they sent it to me, 
it had already been through tons and tons of change, changes and a bunch of the Nashville pedal people actually had put their ears on it. They didn't know what the full package was going to be, but they would come in. We had Andy Pitcher, we had uh, AWOL pedals, we had uh, Jonathan Diaz from the effects loop. I can't even, I'm not even actually sure myself how many different people lent their ears to the testing phase of it before it was sent to me. Basically, I was faced with two choices and much like <laughs> much like ordering a pizza, uh, I had, you know, two good choices. It was just which one did I prefer? And right. so we, we, you know, there was a, a capacitor and a very important part of the, the tone stack that I was A, being back and forth. And it was pretty clear right away which one to go with. So, yeah, a ton of time was spent on that. It sounds good on everything that I've used it on. So standard guitar, of course, but it is a ripping bass fuzz. Like it kills on bass. Patrick Hunter did a bass demo for us. I did a bass demo, even though Patrick's is way better. Uh, and it, it works on everything. So yes, to answer your question in the longest way possible, there was a ton <laughs> of time spent getting it to sound really, really good and be really, really versatile. Time has come on this week's podcast to hear some gear. So let's check out some of the complete guitar amplification and effects solutions available from Neural DSP and their plugins. We've teamed up with Neural DSP a bunch over the last year or two. Matt and I are big fans of what they do, and we'd like you to become part of that. So use discount code GuitarNerds at NeuralDSP.com for 30% off any of their plugins. Worth noting that you get 14 days free with any of their plugins with no credit card required. So if you just want to see what all the fuss is about you've got a whole two weeks on them with any of their amps and effects now this week i'm checking out the Polini amp suite with this suite you get a clean crunch and lead amp three separately voiced eqs a compressor and drive delay and reverb and a cab sim with six microphone options with up to two microphones being placed at any one time not to mention a whole bunch of artist and factory presets that offer more than enough tonal options for anyone. The thing I love most about this suite is its versatility. Here's the Edge of Breakup preset played uh, with a with a finger-picked Grez Mendocino. <laughs> traditional, valvey. Here's the Neural DSP preset for big riffs. I can't believe these tones are from the same suite. Finally, this next one is just me expanding the time effects. The delay has a, a lovely tape saturation control that makes this digital plugin sound gorgeously organic. Archetype 
plug-in suite from Neural DSP. Check it out on NeuralDSP.com and use discount code GUITARNERDS at the checkout for 30% off any of their amp and effects plugins. Well, I, I, I thought one of the places where it, you know, one of the applications that it really seemed to shine and, and just had gorgeous, lovely harmonics just those sort of interactive washy fuzzy harmonics that you want from a sort of a big muff style pedal was when you were playing baritone um, Mm -hmm. through it that that for me that was the this pedal really shone in that sort of uh that halfway house between guitar and bass yes medium guitar as i've heard it described (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah exactly yeah, um, th- that's why I did the baritone demo. I didn't realize Ryan from 60 Cycle was also going to do baritone in his video. I th- kind of thought baritone is very much 90% of what I'm playing these days, so I better be the one to do that demo. And it with that grez, get out of town. It sounds absolutely brilliant. Yes, yes, it certainly it certainly did. And Gre- Grez is something I do want to talk to you about. I know, dear listener, I know I've hammered on about them recently, but I'm going to talk to them about them shortly. But, you know, to, to, to wrap up this pedal, it's obviously fantastic. Congratulations at making it. Dear listener, you have to make sure you check it out if you haven't already. Um, but also, what a great time, Blake, to, to release something in this sort of style. If I feel like the last year, I know that everyone was saying like last year was Year of the Rat, but I felt like there were an awful lot of Big Muff style pedals coming out. And it went from being a type of fuzz that I think had almost been slightly sidelined, certainly with you know a lot of musicians that I see, to suddenly being the absolute go-to once again. It seems like a popular time for that pedal type. Well, it's funny that you mention it. The, the rat circuit was the original thing we had thought about because mostly because of the pizza rat meme that went around. You know, I don't know if you saw that, but there was a a, a video yeah. of a rat pulling a piece of pizza around a New York subway, and everyone's like, "Ah, oh, pizza rat!" Lah. You know, so we thought, "Oh, that might be kind of funny to incorporate." Plus, they already make a brilliant rat in the woodcutter, and so it was like, maybe we'll do a rat. But then when we really got to thinking about like slice of pie triangle like no it's got to be a and big muff <laughs> the big muff is one of my very favorite circuits of all time and i could i wish i owned all of them uh it's just i absolutely love the big muff so it it did it did morph due to the pizza concept actually it was originally going to be a rat i'm glad that it's not i love rats but i'm happier that it's this me me too and as you said it makes a, a great uh, bass drive as well, so that's uh, that, that's that's more exciting as well because big muffs can be one or the other. They can either be great or terrible at that sort of thing. Yes, definitely, and I I'm very happy to say that it's it's great on everything. Excellent, excellent. Well, I you know once again congratulations. What a fantastic, unique, original, and brilliant pedal. You know, and of course you were the mastermind behind it, Blake. Of course, uh, it was you. <laughs> You know, I I have to give credit where credit is due. This is really a a big year project that they allowed me to be a part of rather than the other way around. And in in Grant's (laughs) own words, it was like, well, we couldn't do a pizza pedal and not have Blake involved. But really, they are the driving force behind this. A lot of times with the collaborations I've done in the past, it's been a lot more of maybe me coming up with the concept and me coming up with the, the plan to release and me coming up with some of that stuff. Whereas... Grant would call me and it would just be like me going, yep, uh-huh, yep, yep, <laughs> yes, yes, that's what we should do, absolutely. Here's an idea, 
yes, 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 yes. Like it was just like he's reading my mind. So got to give got to give credit where it's due there because they were it, no one else could have pulled this off in the way that they did. Uh, and I also should take just one more second and let everybody know. We, we've had some people try to flip these on Reverb for some oh, reason. Really? Already? Oh, Reverb, the ultimate flipping set. Was it Mark Packham? <laughs> I bet it was Mark Packham. <laughs> it was probably Mark Packham. Uh, and eBay and, and other places. Uh, if you want to pay way more money for it for no reason, feel free to, to purchase those. But I just feel like a good PSA is in order to say, like, we're going to keep this as a production run. So we're not... We're not playing. All the other Tone Mob collabs have been very limited. As long as there is interest in this pedal, we're going to keep producing them. So if you want to pay extra for something that is in production, go ahead. But if you don't, uh, just go to Big Ear and they'll take care of you. Very cool. Yes. The, 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 awesome. the flipping thing is is ridiculous, but uh, I'm so glad you're keeping it as a production model. That's uh, super exciting times, Mr. Blake. But I did want to talk about Grez because, Blake, you 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 got me you you introduced me to Grez like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I think I think that was the second time. I can't remember if you were on my show or I was on your show. You I were don't on remember. my show, yeah, and okay. and it was it was just the two of us. And I said, I I was like, what? I I think it was late in the podcast, and I was like, what's what what guitar is getting you excited at the moment? What you know? Have you discovered anything? ridiculous that i need to know about and you spoke about you spoke about grez yeah and i still feel the exact same way like the honeymoon never went never wore off i play that guitar nearly every day and the the mendocino baritone in particular i just think it's one of the most unique sounding guitars on the planet and the build quality is great barry's a super nice guy and uh you know one of the most exciting things right now and i'm not this isn't uh this is just to help him out but he's asked me to connect him with different content creators and artists who maybe we never thought about this guitar before maybe aren't baritone people or maybe just would help him get exposure to new audiences and it's been really fun to be like oh you guys are in for a treat you know cuz <laughs> so uh, there's like a touring uh, mendocino baritone that's going around right now to different youtubers and stuff and they're uh everybody that's gotten it so far is just like this guitar is insane i'm like i know <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. yeah it's uh they are very good i couldn't be happier with the um with the mendocino um mm-hmm. That, that that I've got here, it is uh, it's absolutely absolutely incredible. And you know, the, I I'm really tempted to pick up one of the juniors. Me too. Um, the Mendocino Junior it looks lovely, dear listener. If you go onto Grez Guitars on Instagram, Grez Guitars one word. Recently, uh, Barry's posted a, a Mendocino Junior custom in uh, in a, in a gorgeous sort of through blonde with a, a lovely very simple old school talk guard and uh, it's really very very good it's it's very good um mm-hmm. uh, i think i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to get one naomi i don't think you were on the pod i can't remember if you were on the podcast when we talked about it but if you go into grezguitars.com and you go into gallery you'll find um by scrolling through mm-hmm. the is it in here? Is it <laughs> real time? Me trying to work out. I th- 
they, <laughs> um, there are also some bases. Um, I, oh, I think I was on that episode. Were you on that on that yeah. episode? Yeah. Um, so I, I can't remember where it is on the on the website was it not was not me that found the base show was it oh no oh, that's terrible i think good <laughs> 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 to know how cared about i am around here um <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure it was i mean i i'm a huge fan of all and everything i have seen of his builds i just think it's um so clearly just the work of a, a an artist and craftsman um the compact club i think is still um an absolutely stunning model that I would love to love to see being played. I've not seen a demo of it just yet. But um yeah, I too am now looking for said base. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember where it, it was. It did exist, didn't it? It did. Well it's definitely if we're both did. remembering it then. Well, well, I'll tell you why, it, it, it certainly did. Because we, we saw a lovely sort of big jazz box single cut hollow body um short scale fretless oh, it was absolutely gorgeous on the on the website and i was like yeah I'm, i might actually have to inquire about that friend of the podcast and podcast listener dustin babbitt oh, it's too many letters at the end of your name babitsky come on that, that, yeah this this these names don't exist over here i don't have to everyone's called jones <laughs> or smith i don't have to worry about all these sorts of things um but yes dustin was like uh was like yeah, I've got one of those bases. And he sent me some pictures and a little video demo. And my goodness, oh, wow. it's absolutely fantastic. I'll have to send it to you, Naomi. But it's, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, weird. And it's like his, his one is the most figured top I've ever seen on like a vintage style guitar. But still still just on the side of tasteful. Like, you know, not, not quite classic enough for me, but, but still just on the side of, of tasteful a pair of jazz pickups in there which actually make all the difference even though they take away from that classic look a little bit still with the fretless 30 inch scale it's oh, that wonderful guitar nerds are teaming up with music nomad and i, I really think nerds you need to check out musicnomadcare.com we've spoken about all their wonderful guitar maintenance products on the podcast and, and i really can't emphasize how important it is to look after your gear and how easy music nomad make that for you with things like their their how-to advice center and their setup hub Music Nomad have been around for a little over 10 years and in that time they've become one of the most recognised brands for guitar tech gear. They're available worldwide in every guitar store you can think to name and it's for a good reason. All their products are professional grade quality, every tool and even the cases the tools come in are designed for proper, rugged, on the road use. Make sure you check out what all the buzz is around Music Nomad as they are redefining and raising the bar for equipment care. Learn more at musicnomadcare.com or follow them on social media with at musicnomadcare. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've found it on the site. It was, it was of course, in the custom gallery. Oh, the uh, custom. I'm, yeah. I'm sitting here scrolling through. I'm like, I haven't seen this base, so I'm looking Yeah, for yeah, no, it um, it absolutely <laughs> exists, thankfully. Yeah, CRB-15 is the model. Um, and, of course, he, he states underneath it how any any of the appointments can be specced to your to your taste. So, um, but, I mean, what a canvas to, to go from if that's... Um, if that is the example we're being given, oh. stunning-looking bass, yeah. very you, Joe. If I could entirely picture that being, um, I know, I know, I am on I, your I, wall and I'm, or in your hands. I really, really am thinking about it. It's either that or a junior. I'm, I mean, you know, I, I definitely am about to buy something else. 
and uh, you know, I, 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 I've sort of just put a deposit down on one thing, but I'm in a position where I could. It's not too much of a deposit. I could definitely bench it for a little while if something else came mm. up. And uh, other than you know that that Grez is a strong, strong contender. It's very, very cool, and I agree, very me. But the uh, um, the other thing that I saw recently, I I have uh, I bought like a, a Jay Douglas Blunderbird. Um, do you remember oh, that? Oh yeah, name? I like, do remember them. Yeah, remember that? yeah, really great, L- lovely sort of little uh, uh, Yorkshire-based company, and uh, they he he makes really interesting, very classic sort of modern twist, classic style, uh, mostly basses. Does some guitars as well. And this this morning or today, I saw that he'd done. Ooh, that's a, spicy. I like that. Yeah, cool. yeah. Oh, the 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 blunderbird. Do you mean? Or yes. The, yep. Yep. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. So I've got a, a really nice um, sort of reverse blunderbird, which it, he actually said was because he he accidentally cut it back upside down. So it's got the slightly longer lower horn than upper horn on my one, which, which I actually think makes it look fantastic. And it's it's really lovely, great sounding, thirty two inch scale. I've got a set of labella flats on it. It's Ooh. it's it's everything. Like you palm mm-hmm. mute that with a plectrum, and you've got you know just absolute sort of sixties tone all day long. But this morning, I I realised that he'd posted a commission that he'd done, which is very much a Rickenbacker four double three style instrument, um, and. It, it looks absolutely fantastic. He did a 32-inch scale, which is very much his vibe. He has done some 34s, but he does a lot of 32-inch stuff. That seems to be his his thing. Um, I, I'm thinking about commissioning one of those because that it looks very cool in this in the in the lovely sort of vintage white with black binding that you occasionally get the 4001s in. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it is uh, it is very cool. I, that that's that's a strong contender for me. Other than the Grez, I could definitely be talked into into something like that. Um, but yeah, the, ac- across the board, kind of everything he does seems to be interesting, unique, and weird. I love it when he, he has a few models. Have you seen the ones in like the weird custom finishes that he does? The sort of uh, the very much sixties circular patterns. I'm yes, looking through half done, yeah. More are those stuff. are those like printed finishes or are they are they like pieced wood? Because they're all really woody tones. Yeah, I'm not sure. I assume they're printed. I mean, on one of the ones he's got a blunderbird similar to mine, but with a printed finish on it. Only it has like a just a floating brass bridge. That's it. I love it. Just one brass bar. That's it. Sorry, oh, you amazing. know. So it's just, yeah, yeah. and uh, and the the volume knob looks like a doorknob off of a off of a cabinet, and there's no tone tone control. Love it. That's that's what I'm talking about. That's that's yeah. the. Uh, I think. Um, sorry, go on. I, I was just gonna say I'm looking through the Instagram right now. I don't think they're printed. These look very much done, like full solid wood. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But. They do, don't they? That, that's why I was saying that. Oh, uh, well, they're sc- the circular ones, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's to... the one I mean. Yeah, that those circular designs. But... I wonder if it's wrapped. Like it's Maybe. like a... I think it... A wallpaper. I, yeah. It's hard yeah. for me to know. I'm trying to find a process shot because he has some process shots here. And... Yeah, possibly. But it's... Uh, yeah. yeah. They are they're, they're very cool. Very, like, incredibly reasonably priced. John, who uh, who... who builds the guitars who is jay douglas um 
yeah, is a lovely fella. So well worth checking out, dear listener, if you're in the in the market for something classic. But it's high up on my list. That a Grez, another jazz bass. I don't know. It's, yeah, I'm going to end up sort of somewhere, somewhere around, uh, somewhere around those. Clearly, you this, need all of it. I, I do. I do need all of it. I do need all of it. Last week, last week, I did. I shared a little post of this on the uh, on the on the group. Last week, I played a gig with my jazz bass. And uh, I, I, I'd recently put the ashtray covers on it. And I said on a previous podcast, I was like, you know, the problem with having ashtrays on your jazz bass is when you hit the bass hard, the strings rattle against the, uh, against the ashtrays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it doesn't be work. A, an annoying clank. Exactly. So what I, what I did was I took the ashtrays off and I put electrical tape on the underside of them. Mm. to to prevent that and it worked it, it, i was like fantastic this is going to be brilliant i'll put these ashtray covers back on and i didn't have a band practice with the ashtray covers before i then went to do the gig and my goodness the amount of times i smashed my hand into the ashtray covers instead of hitting the strings it, it it was I I I nearly injured myself. It was impossible. It was one of the it, my playing was not on point at all. I kept missing things. Ashtray covers get in the way. Welcome back to One Hot Minute, a segment where each week I take a minute of your podcast listening time to demo a piece of gear that I'm excited about. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the KMA Chief Disruptor, KMA's Swiss Army Knife Big Muff Style Fuzz. This week, I'd like to talk about the KMA Pylon, their ATM Noise Gate. I realise noise gates aren't the most exciting of effects, but as with all things KMA, they've crammed a whole bunch in to make this pedal comprehensive, feature-packed, and just generally very useful for the actual application of a noise gate. Other than operating as a noise gate, the pylon also has 30 decibels of boost, which is very useful in the post-drive position, so you don't have to slam your distortions too much and lose all clarity from your drive tone. It also has a very useful effects loop for targeting noisy pedals or using four cable method to assign uh, the noise gate just to your drive channel. But my favourite feature is the channel switching input or output, which allows you to use the pylon as your amp channel switcher in addition to turning on and off the pedal. No one's going to want a noise gate assigned to their clean tone, so being able to double this pedal up to switch channels and engage the effect simultaneously is an excellent idea and exactly the sort of smart thinking KMA apply to all their pedals. Now let's check it out. In this sound clip, I'm playing a riff through without the gate. Then I'll engage uh, the effects. I'll engage the gate. Um, the boost is is really lovely and articulate in this. It's at the end of an HM2 style distortion and the gate itself cleans everything up uh, without muddying the tone. And wait, sorry, had you been, had, so had your last rehearsals been 
no ashtray and then yes. they went on but just uh-huh. oh yeah yeah that is that is risk risk town for sure mm-hmm. the, I, yeah the the bridge cover yeah the bridge cover in particular for me is a is a horror point i just i can't i can't really play with them. i i de- i get I just, it and i i appreciate how they look i really do but they're um yeah they're not within practical uh playing range for me I didn't think it through. I didn't think it through. I didn't think through the fact that I had a, a, a song that I had to palm you. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> Good luck to you. Was... So what did you do? Did you palm mute at like the 12th fret instead? <laughs> no, I just had to play really softly instead to try and try and deal with it. It was... Uh... I was, but oh, that was the other thing that I forgot. It it fed back every time I turned what? on my drive pedal. I was oh, getting loads man. of feedback because, of course, the other problem is I've got active EMGs, mm-hmm. and so those being like that's the same as cupping a mic essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the same as it's. You're literally showing them a mirror, basically. Why did no one tell me this? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask I mean, me. I was yeah. I was gonna <laughs> say maybe you didn't tell anyone of your ridiculous plans. The thing, the <laughs> thing about doing the, it for the aesthetic, yeah. it, it's all about the aesthetic. With that, every time I have played one, and, you know, maybe if that's what I had started playing on, that it would have been okay. But they, it's really only for looks, in my in my opinion, because functionally, it's it's a terrible idea. <laughs> I don't understand it. I but I do love looking at one with the ashtray and the bridge. Cover. I just think it. And the pickup cover, I don't know. I love how it looks, but it's a functional nightmare. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you know, it looks wonderful and showy. And I, I get the era that it kind of sprung from in, in a design sense. But it's like the literal opposite to a ramp for me. Like, I don't like how ramps look between pickups. But mm-hmm. in terms of their practical use, I... 200% get it that you've, you know, why wouldn't you give yourself more thumb range yeah. in the case of bass so that you can so that you can have more kind of dynamic uh, room to play with across the across the right-hand positioning. So, yeah. yeah. Ex- exactly. And that, that's the problem. Why do all the things that make playing easier look bad and all the things that, <laughs> that make playing harder look good? It's, 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 I it's mean, not fair. I mean, speak for yourself. They make fret wraps and leopard print these days. Maybe, maybe ramps are the same. Yes, who, yes, who knows? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure there's an aesthetic solution somewhere out there, Joe. But uh, perhaps ashtrays are not it, as you've seen. Ugh. Yeah. I. I. I <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Fine. Whatever. It's fine. I, I, I'm. I'm gonna get over it. I, I realize now. I understand why people have taken them off pretty much since you know 1961 when. Yeah, <laughs> when they were first and last relevant and cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're like, sorry, Leo, this isn't going to cut it. You're a genius. You are a genius. But, you know, sometimes you get things wrong. And this yeah. is one of those times. Yes. Oh, well. Well, you know, I, I live and I learn. I live and I learn. Anyway, Gibson have done something uh, pretty cool this week, um, which which is unusual, right? I mean, we're at a time where Fender keep releasing all these all these great new guitars just for people. It also seems to be whenever Fender release something, a signature model, it's for someone new, relevant, up and coming. And, you know, whenever I check out Gibson news, it's like Dave Mustaine has a new signature model. It's like, oh, who cares about this? Why are you still doing this, Gibson? What are you doing? What are you doing? Slash has got another list. Why? 
He doesn't need another one. <laughs> so it, it's it's terrible, but they've done something very cool. Gibson are celebrating the life of rock and roll trailblazer Sister Rosetta Tharp with yeah. a, with a, a new merch line and a YouTube mini documentary, which I thought was great. It's it's a pint sized. You've got to go watch it, dear listener. A pint sized, like twelve minute or eight minute or something like that documentary that just gives you a great little overview of Sister Rosetta Tharp. If you don't know anything about her other than the, you know, the the train station, the legendary train station performance with her 61 Les Paul SG, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, a, a great little overview and a load of much. I did want a signature model, you know, or, you know, something that like was that my, to come out. That was my thing. I was like, so you're doing this big sister Rosetta push. She has this iconic iconic guitar and we're gonna get a merch line <laughs> mm. i'm like uh, you know the story's gibson, a little off there i i love i am a gibson guy i have multiple gibson guitars i grew up just as a massive gibson fan and i still love a lot of what they do but there are so many times even you know even in this new era where I'm like, you guys were almost there. You had it, and you just couldn't couldn't quite seal the deal. <laughs> From the Maestro Pedals launch to this, I'm just like, you're right, you're on the right path. And then you just stop short of actually doing the whole thing. And then they all they they say the same thing. Oh, it's coming. And that would be like if we did all the box and stuff for the pizza pedal and then just put it in a regular enclosure and called it a day. <laughs> You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a shame that it's it's half there. I mean, they they've done a very cool strap. They've done like a white strap with sister written in gold text, which I think is very cool. They've released a like a a a, a, a bowling jacket. Is that what you'd call that? Uh, they've released a, you know a, a a bomber jacket. I would call it that says Sister Rosetta Tharp on the on the back in the sort of in that. It's kind of a uh, what? There's a name for those. I don't remember what it is. There's. It's not a members only jacket. That's a different thing. But right. It's like a fifties, you know, with the elastic around the waist and neck and uh, and wrists. Yeah, go find a picture of it. We're not doing a very good job of describing. But yeah, they've you know they've done some other cool things. There's like a load of pin badges. There's a little there's a little flag. Um, it, there's there's even a, a little Axe Heaven have made a little replica of the '61 Les Paul SG Custom, which is very very cool. I just uh, just yeah just just wish it had been coupled with a with a Gibson. Is there is there an there, Epiphone version an, of this? There's an Epiphone version, which is cool. Don't get me wrong, it is very cool. But let's do it. Let's do the real thing. It says like the Epiphone version was was developed with the Gibson Custom Shop, and I think that's cool. And it's cool that more people will be able to afford it and all that. But like, let's see a real custom shop. Let's see a real custom shop version. Let's do it. Is Come on. the is the Epiphone version? Does it have the the trim? I gotta look it up. I'm reading through the the article right now. Because it because it feels like Epiphone have done that that model guitar for a long time they've done a three pickup an sg custom in in white you know for forever like 
you know, it was always always the showy off kid at school who bought one of those. You know, they, 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 they've been around for ages. G four hundred. It doesn't. I don't think it does. Okay, have here a, we go. The Sister Rosetta Tharp collection. No, no, I'm not seeing it. I can't find a picture of it. No, no. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Gak, however, my old stomping ground. Gak do have a 60th anniversary because it is. It, yeah, I guess last year would have been that. So the 60th anniversary Lesbo SG custom in Polaris white with the with the proper Vibratrem and the gorgeous three gold humbuckers. Um, that that is available, but you know that is 5,400 pounds. So it's uh, you know that is a pretty premium priced Gibson, but still. Very cool. I'm I'm glad at least that Gibson are kind of doing a little documentary. I think that's that's kind yes, of yes. Cool that thing is very cool. Yeah, very very cool. Much needed. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the documentary talks about the fact that Sister Rosetta Tharp st- still, even today, seems a little bit glossed over. I'm not. I don't. I find it hard to. It's hard to tell from the inside, isn't it? Like when you when you know when you're aware of Sister Rosetta Tharp and all the stuff. Like you know, the 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 very very. Uh, the origins of rock and roll that she is responsible for and the iconic performances, you know, when, when you're kind of aware of it already, it's hard to know if it's globally, if people are globally aware of it. I don't know if she's still not, doesn't quite have the respect that she should do as a, as, as the trailblazer that she was, but you know, I hope well, this goes towards uh, it. Yeah. And it's, it's all the more reason to, to keep telling her story and keep, uh, I guess keep spreading the excuse the pun gospel of her of her amazing <laughs> work having been you know gospel's first superstar and um I don't know the the barriers she broke down for for women in music as well well and, yeah yeah there's so and, many barriers and, and for and for queer people of color in music beyond that like you know there was multiple levels that she um multiple kind of barriers that she really smashed with um <laughs> yeah her kind of her fame and success I feel like if she was around today, she'd be breaking barriers. Let her, oh know, yeah, yeah. Let alone, you know, the the fact that she she would have been, you know, she would have been touring around like a a, a segregated version of of America. You know, mm-hmm. and the, like they they were talking about in in the documentary the fact that she had a tour bus because in some of the places that she was playing, she wasn't allowed in the hotels. Um, so her her backing band, who were white men, would would stay in the hotels, and they had to have a tour bus because that's where she would have to have to stay. Um, so you know, it's just just stuff like that. Just the things that she was responsible for were incredible, and it, and it's not just it's not just the fact that she was a black woman who was queer in in the time that she was in the time that she was making this music it's just also the fact that it was gospel and she was one of the first people to to manage to appeal to both a, a gospel audience and a, a secular audience like have the have music that transcended outside of that genre um, yeah absolutely it really speaks to the power of her um of her art i guess and the uniqueness ellen let alone like all of the obvious groundbreaking things she did just being herself the music itself even if even if you never saw her, you had no idea who she was. Just listen to the music and think about the time she was making that music. Totally groundbreaking. Completely nothing had been heard like that before by anybody. So yeah. she really is a founder, if not the founder, of rock and roll as we know it. And 
to speak to your earlier point about is she in the general public lexicon? No, I don't think she is. I don't think I even heard about her until eight years ago. And I've, you know, grown yeah, up I with the guitar. Think the same. Yeah, I, yeah. Th I think about the same for me. Yeah. And that's absurd. There's no reason that that should have. When I found out about her, I was, um, I was in Nashville, or maybe maybe it was when we were in Memphis. I can't remember which musical tour I was on during that vacation, but we were on a tour of some. It might have been the Stax Museum. I can't remember. And I watched a video of her playing, and I was like, "Who is this lady? Why have I never heard of her? Hmm. This is incredible." And so, yeah, I would say no. In general, most people don't know who she is. I think most guitar players know who she is now, but outside of that, I don't think the general public fully understands or appreciates her contributions. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that that is a shame. It, it wasn't just you know, it wasn't just all those achievements and you know, plus the music. Like, like her performances are just incredible. Like, you you think about when she was how much energy she was putting into this at the time with that that just wasn't how how music was being presented and mm -mm. if you watch some of her her live performances I, I, this is just a little thing but i love that she does it she is constantly just stopping playing guitar like halfway through a little bit just so she can use her hands to point or clap or something and she come back and just like bend one note and then she's you know but it was just so rock and roll it was so like she didn't care, and I love that. I also love that the guitar is is wildly out of tune in in a lot of the uh, live performances. There's there's that proper sort of rock and roll twang uh, to it to an out of tune guitar, and uh, um, it's very cool. Yeah, perfectly imperfect. Exactly, mm -hmm. exactly, exactly. Yes, um, we were we were going to talk about some new things. Oh God, there's, there's so many more things to talk about that we haven't. But one of the things we were going to that we will try and talk about is this new JHS take on the DoD um, the preamp, the 250 preamp. But before we go into that, Naomi, I want to talk about you. You're selling your meat box. This this before we started the podcast, dear listener, we were we were talking about the this 250. And, uh, and Naomi, you're selling your meatbox. I just think that that's such a rare, cool, unique, sought-after pedal. It's a bit scary. Don't you think that you're getting rid of it without, you know, there's not that many around? No, I know it is. Um, it's one of those, it's one of those things, though, like the term that I hate to love of, of thinning the herd. I'm, I'm trying to... I'm trying to be quite realist about like, you know, maybe maybe looking at setting certain amounts of time and if I haven't reached for a pedal in said amount of time, then maybe it's a good idea for it to to move on to to someone who will get a ton of use from it, you know. Mm. Um I did get some great use from the meatbox. I think it does a I think it does a particular task extremely well. Um it will make any front of house engineer in your path absolutely hate you or at least feel <laughs> a very particular crippling anxiety before um before they put you through the pa um and during and after um no i think it's it's a mighty pedal it's really um yeah i've i've struggled to find other pedals that that do what the meatbox does quite as quite as well as it does but uh for me i think it was time to to move it on just for now I'm saying that knowing like it's it's value make just continue to go up. I was I was quite surprised actually how 
how much it had gone up. Um, so it, it was the reissue that I had. Um, I oh, right. So the Digitech-owned DoD Meatbox. Yes, I never had the the OG, which didn't it, weren't its controls like flank and loin. None of them actually represented the the parameters function. Yeah, that was um, uh, it. It uh, was just meat. It was just meat words. <laughs> Which is, that was DOD at the time. That was like their thing. That was their vibe. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I can't um, remember what like the, the grunge pedals, like I think one of the labels like butt or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for that. So yeah. If, um, if in fact, Joe, if I, if I rebuy it, maybe I'll, maybe I'll make a point of going, going OG rather than reissue. But yeah, um, you're right. Uh, always a little scary letting go of something like that, but um yeah, I think I think the OC5 has won my heart for now, if I'm honest. I'm um, quite happy with it in my rig. It does do a lot of things, and I guess it can deal with that meatbox territory while still being versatile enough to do some other bits and bobs. Exactly, and, and also, um, you know, scary as it is, I'm, I'm trying to respond in my gear collection to sort of projects I'm involved in currently, and I'm, I'm a little bit far away from kind of the darker synthier stuff that i was doing around the time of getting the meat box initially i see i see you, this the, looking up the meat box on reverb has led me down a bit of a a rabbit hole of other dod pedals mm. uh from that era i i didn't i have never heard of the flashback fuzz that is very reasonably priced the yeah things, that one's uh, it's it's the flashbacks all right it's not my favorite that's why they're reasonably pre- not because they're not my favorite, but because they're generally not <laughs> super Blake favored. Says. Blake says so, so we price it here. I wish that was the case. I would be so wealthy. Um, it's me, I'm, the algorithm. It's me. Hello, my name's Al. Algorithm. Uh, uh, no, they the flashback fuzz. It's like one of those ones that should be cool, and then you play it and you're like, eh. Meh. Mm. Meh. A little <laughs> underwhelming. Yeah, I mean, but they do, do have a lot of good stuff. Sure. Do you mean it's like a little bit of a kind of one-trick pony type vibe? Or it's just a, that it's, it, it, it gives a better impression until you actually hear it sonically? Yeah, that's the thing. Is it, it's, I just find it very underwhelming in general, which, is, which sucks. Because I'm actually a big DoD fan, and I, mm, I think a lot mm-hmm. of their stuff is very underrated. They have an analog delay from that era that's very, very good. The uh, FX65 stereo chorus sounds in, like absolutely amazing. Um, they, they've got some very cool things all, from all eras, but that era has some hidden gems still to this day. What about the grind rectifying overdrive? I wish I could speak to that. I don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I like the sound of it. It's it two, sounds very helpful. I often want my grind pounds. 215 pounds on reverb so i assumed it was a sort after one bear in mind the you know the envelope filter is like 75 quid the analog delay pedal that you spoke about blake is 125 even a vibra thing is only 70 quid you know there's they're not going for an awful lot of money but the grind delay is still only 125 really yeah 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 Mm, that's a good deal i'm here to tell you it sounds awesome maybe i should get no i just sold my ibanez ad9 which is just, it's the same. It's going to be the same. There's not going to be a It's not going to be the same. Uh, it's, it's going to be close enough. I sold them all. I'm just keeping the DM2. The, the, it does everything. That, that does everything I need. 
I don't need okay. another analog. Do I need another analog? Yes, you do. You do. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm telling you. <laughs> DOD. Uh, Speaking of DOD fantastic analog delays from the new era, huh? the Rubberneck is still oh, so good. The Rubberneck gr- rules. One underrated pedal. One underrated weird delay pedal that you can do some great things with. The, having that uh, the second foot switch that, uh, that operates as regeneration, oh, it's just so... I can't really describe what it does. It's a, a, a kind of... Yeah, well, it just Yeah, it's like a... It's like a feedbacky thing, so it's it's like being able to mess around with your uh, your repeats and. It, it, yeah. it, well, I can tell you what it does. It maxes out those controls automatically. So when you mash it, it's like the same thing as just cranking up your repeats and your regen control. So it just immediately goes into self oscillation. Oh, amazing! Is, yeah, and that's then the nice rubberneck. Feature. The actual rubberneck feature, I think, gets overlooked sometimes. And that's the one I'm not exactly sure what it's doing, but it sounds like the name. It goes like, when you step yeah. on it. So it's... Ah, oh, yes, it's, the boil pedal. Yes, it's uh, it sounds like it's got a rubber neck, you know? I don't know what it's doing exactly, but I like it a lot. It's, it's really very cool. Good. I, I like a delay pedal with a gain control as well. That's, uh, that's, that's old school. Yeah. Very yeah, fun. Definitely. Dial in some quench. Yeah, they are they are very good. But yes, we, we should talk about not about DOD, but about <laughs> uh about JHS who Indeed. have who have introduced this uh the 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 a DOD inspired overdrive preamp which has totally passed me by. Like uh, all the time, all the time I hear uh um I hear 60 cycle hum talking about, you know, the 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 250 the preempt 250 the the dod preempt 250 and it, this is it seems to be a big thing that people care about and it has totally passed me by and i don't and i don't think matt's ever had one i don't think i've ever had a conversation with mark about them like i i don't remember them being especially present at at, at gac and so i don't know if this is just the microclimate of me or if they just haven't made a big impact in the uk in comparison to the US. Naomi, what's your take before I give give mine? No, no, go on ahead. Go on ahead. I I, I feel you'll um my take would be similar to Joe's. I feel like it's not made uh I, I certainly was a little bit surprised to see um a, a a clone of it basically from another company, let's say. Um it it, it wouldn't have struck me previously as having made a massive splash. Yeah, so I think this must be a regional thing then, because it's a sure. very big deal in the States. Basically, like if you don't like tube screamers, which that would be me, uh, you and you like got your first overdrive, there's a good chance it was an MXR Distortion Plus or a DoD 250, which are really close to the same. They're very, very similar circuits. In fact, I don't remember what the difference is, but I feel like it's like one diode or something. I don't quote me on that. I know they're very, very <laughs> close. Uh, but the DoD 250, I think, has a little bit more of the prestige, if you want to call it that, just because, uh, you know, Ingve Malmsteen famously used one. And it's kind of funny because people buy that. Back in the day, they would buy the gray box DoD 250 thinking they're going to sound like Malmsteen, not realizing that he's, <laughs> you know, running it into some 
high gain marshals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it's, it's only part of it because if you buy the Malmsteen drive, it, it, you, and you plug it into a Fender Deluxe, you're going to be very disappointed because it does not sound <laughs> like that at all. Uh, but there, I love the 250. I have a, basically the, the earliest generation after the gray box, I have a yellow box 250 that I got years ago. And Every time I plug that in, I'm constantly surprised by how good it sounds. Uh, so many people that I know love the 250. Chris Benson of Benson Amps loves this 250. Josh Scott clearly loves this 250. 60 Cycle Hum with Pelican Noise Work, Norks, my friend Leon. I, th I think, Ryan, hurry up and make the new graphic because the 5050 is one of the coolest DoD 250s on the market because it's a dual 250 like the Earthquaker Gray Box. But they're independently switchable with independent controls, and they can you can set them differently and or and then stack them or you know have two different settings. It's it's the coolest 250 on the market in my opinion, and you know it's it's waiting on a podcaster, so it might be a while. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's awesome, and yeah, it's got kind of a kind of a cult following over here. It's um, it's the best way I can describe it sonically is like it's crispy like it's it's very crispy and like very defined the original versions i think can get a little top end heavy when you max the game out and get a little bit you know how a, a ds1 if you have the tone control up too high it's mm -hmm. like yeah mm, don't like that the 250 yeah. can do that a little bit in the top end with the game uh, all the way up but you back it off to about 75 percent and you play with your guitar's volume control, and they're just, there's such a simple circuit that sounds so magical. It's kind of like a, sonically, it's completely different, but it's similar to like when you have a really good fuzz face, and that's all you need. You just need your guitar and that fuzz face, and you just kind of play around with your dynamics. The, the 250 is like the overdrive version of that for me. Like the magic I wand pedal of its type for mm -hmm. your board. Yeah. A make yeah. gooderer, you could say. Make gooder, but it's not subtle. You know, some of the make gooders are like, ooh, this adds a little sparkle to my tone. Like the 250 definitely is like, this is crunching my signal. It is definitely an overdrive, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. But it's 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 capable of doing some sort of tone sweetening though, right? If you if you just use the level control and keep the gain down. For sure. For sure. It does really well. It's I would I would classify it as a where it really shines is in the light to medium drive ranges is is where it really brings the magic. And so you can definitely make it clean, but it's a it's a dirt pedal for sure. I see. I see. Well, you know, it's 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 fantastic that JHS have introduced the overdrive preamp. This version of of you know, dear listener, you have to obviously go watch the the JHS video all about all about this and the discovery. And actually the, the 60 cyclone demo is very good uh, as well. Um, but but I love it when JHS continue to do these things. When Josh kind of hits the nail on the head time after time, expanding and reintroducing legendary old pedals back into his range. And of course, you know, it's 179 bucks for for his version of the pedal. So it's not even, it's not premium priced or anything like that. He's not, which is something you could go after if you're, if you're like, if you're making, here is a version of the very first ever legendary DoD 250. Here it is in a similar looking enclosure and whatever. You could have gone for a premium price point 
and uh, and 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 still, you know, pe- people would have, you know, people would have bought it because the originals are upwards of five hundred quid. But he's introducing them at such a reasonable price. He's nailed it again. What a great product! I I think what's great about Josh. Well, there's a lot of great things about Josh, but he is such. I know he comes across this way on on YouTube, but if you talk to him in real life, it's even more apparent. He loves the history of all this stuff. He loves the minutiae and like, why did they use those diodes instead of those diodes? And like, why did this happen this way? Why did blah, blah, blah. Like he loves finding out about the total minutiae that nobody else would ever have the patience for. So when he comes out with something that is a recreation, you know that he's put the time in to make it right. And I, uh, I'm really excited about it. If I didn't have this old yellow box one, I would have already, I would already bought this thing because for the same reason you said the gray box versions are four or $500 and maybe even more. I haven't looked in a while. So this is going to be cool. I'm sure it is. Yeah, super exciting. We will we will see. We will see. We'll see the sort of impact that this is going to have on the marketplace. Maybe this will be the year of the 250 preamp. Maybe we'll get loads of those this year. We'll see. We'll wait and see. But that is uh, that is all the time we have on this week's episode of the Guitar Nerds podcast. You can, of course, join us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash guitar nerds for an entire extra episode every week. You can become a Patreon supporter for as little as a dollar a month. At the dollar tier, you'll get this episode ad-free and early. $5 gets you access to the Patreon special episodes and our entire back catalogue. And $10 gets you the lot. Plus, I'll sing you my thanks at the end of every episode. This week was Week of the Knicks. So uh, so, so welcome to Nick Rivet and Nick Moran, who uh, who both join us uh, on the uh, on the on the Patreon. Um, next week, uh, it's going to be Tom's followed by Sebastian's. Uh, so if you if your name is Sebastian, then the week after next is the time to uh, join us on Patreon. You can find us on all your favorite social media platforms and join the Guitar Nerds group on Facebook to get involved in our weekly episode discussion. Thanks for listening. You've been lovely. We've been the Guitar Nerds. Farewell. Good night. Later, Hosen. Drew, Peter Pitt, Ty Allen, Yogi the Guitarist, Kyle Harry, 
Lewis, Joe Hart, Sean Hughes, Brian Hansen, Shane Malloy, Eric Hemmer, Jeffrey Wax, Brian Eisler, Gavin Vanderlinden, Andy Manley, Robert Butterworth, Scott Anthony, Marcus Alkanawaki, Simon Milbourne, Stuart Robson, Christian Van Hansen, Keith Adams, Eric File, Jack Tuckmore, Joe Buttick, James Storr, Abe Matthews, Ken Sayers, Kytopia the Man, John Anglin, Ross Edwards, Stephen Borg, Aaron Sherman, Dave Lee, Jake Gray, Scott Kennedy, Christopher Lozen, Derek Rich, Blake Wyland, Rob Norbin, Shady Short, Steve Merkel, Andy McKenzie, Brad Page, Robin Smith, Scott O'Brien, Paul Corrigan, and Moon Grant.